0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Stay tuned. After our Carolina Weather Group special, you'll be able to hear the entire audio of Sunday's briefing with North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and other state officials. And good evening from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm James Brierton. We have our Carolina Weather Group panel on standby tonight. It is August the 2nd, 2020, Sunday evening, another 24 to 30 hours or so before we could be seeing a landfall of a tropical system here in the Carolinas. We have in Charleston Evan Fisher, Shay Gibson, and Jared Smith. Also joining us tonight, we have Scotty Powell and Frank Strait. Let's get straight on over to Frank, uh, who's going to bring us up to date with the latest information. Frank, at this hour, uh, here at about 10.36, we have the 8 o'clock advisory, but we're awaiting that 11 o'clock advisory, just a few minutes away.
1: No, that's right. That uh, next advisory will be coming out shortly from the National Hurricane Center. And uh, we should see that uh, advisory come out uh, before too much longer. We'll take a look uh, now at a satellite picture to show you what's happening right now. And uh, Issa, yes, looks a lot better than it did earlier today. And uh, last night, the uh, shear appears to be relaxing a little bit, allowing it to become a more symmetrical. The outflow is looking a lot better to the west now. So we'll keep an eye out for some intensification that might uh, have uh, play a role in our uh, upcoming advisory. Looking at the 8 p.m. advisory, though, uh, we had... Uh, uh, is still producing 70-mile-per-hour winds, maximum sustained winds, and the forecast was for it to remain uh, nearly a uh, steady state uh, here through the uh, next uh, 24 hours or so uh, and into Tuesday as it approaches landfall. We have uh, tropical storm uh, warnings in effect uh, from Sebastian Inlet uh, northward uh, all the way up to Ocracoke. Uh, Inlet and uh, a hurricane uh, watch as well in effect uh, for uh, South Santee River in South Carolina up to surf city North Carolina because there is some chance that uh, ACS does get a little stronger before making landfall if it gets any stronger at all it would become a hurricane also tropical storm watches are in effect Uh, that's the yellow area all the way up uh, to uh, Long Island and uh, Long Island Sound so this is what we'll be keeping an eye on and uh, we'll see if there's any changes uh, coming up at 11 p.m. back to you James
0: Frank, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we're waiting that 11 o'clock update from the National Hurricane Center. This will be a full on update where we get not only an updated position on the storm, but also a potential change to the forecast cone or intensity if one were to come. You can see the countdown clock there uh, in the left hand side of your screen. Sometimes they do come out a few minutes early. Uh, Jared Smith is in Charleston, South Carolina, is keeping a close eye on the uh, storm surge threat with this storm because Jared, you know, we are talking about a tropical storm, but we don't want people to uh, lose track of the the flood threat that could come with this still
2: yeah absolutely and i think that you know the 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 big story with any of these with the tropical storm minimal hurricane it's the water i mean it's it's actually very rare for the wind to be a widespread issue in most of these tropical systems unless you're talking cat tooth at three four five obviously it's the water that's the problem and this is going to be no you know, this is going to be no different on that front. Uh, Let me pull, uh, so what we're going to do, I'm going to pull up my screen here. We're going to take a look at, uh, we're going to take a look at the expected, uh, we're going to take a look at the expected tides in Charleston Harbor, and this is, um, and this is certainly a uh, interesting situation coming up. So one thing to note is that the tides are already overperforming. Weather service had 7.1, 7.2 feet earlier tonight, and they, uh, and it went 7.49 feet. So I was right knocking on the door of the moderate flood threshold here. But um, all right, here we go. So, so there you go. So there's, your, so there's your peak from earlier tonight. And then we're going to get, you know, we're going to get to about 6.6 feet tomorrow morning. Uh, we're going to start seeing some of those onshore winds start to kick up a little bit more, start seeing some rain bands come in. And at 6.6 feet, if you get a sustained downpour in downtown Charleston, that's it. I mean, you'll get. You know, you're going to get some roads closed. I mean, that's going to be just the name of the game. And then what we're looking at is just around 9 o'clock, uh, the uh, expect, expected impacts of storm surge begin. Um, Potentially anywhere from two to four feet. I think four feet is probably a little on the high end of that. But you know, if if we suddenly see a more westward track that brings the center in south of Charleston, that is certainly within the realm of possibility. Right now, the Weather Service forecast is for eight feet right around 9 p.m. That is major flooding. That's going to close a lot of roads. That's going to cut off some. Uh, that's going to cut off some passages. Um, and then we're going to talk about rainfall on top of that. And and you know, models have been you know somewhat consistent in having some very heavy rainfall in the area right around the same time. Forecast position from the Hurricane Center, at least as of five o'clock, had the center just to the uh, just to the south of Charleston, which means that onshore flow pretty much is going to be maximized right around that time. So this is something that we certainly need to watch. Uh, I uh, let me um, let me grab um, another graphic here and. And obviously, you know, for for those of you uh, watching now, you'll be able to see this. You know, for our podcasters, uh, we'll speak it out to you. And let me go first to the storm surge watches and warnings here. Um, as soon as Zoom decides to populate my screens that I can share, um, which apparently I have a lot of. Um, but we have a uh, storm surge watches up and down the uh, Charleston coast right now. Charleston area is under a storm surge watch, basically starting from about Edisto River all the way up. Uh, into Southeast North Carolina, uh, we have that storm surge warning actually. So check that storm surge warning now. uh, And again, this is the area where two to four feet is going to be possible. So places like Charleston, Georgetown, Myrtle Beach, those areas are going to be looking at the potential for some pretty significant storm surge. And then we have a storm surge watch that's up just south of Wilmington, all the way up into Pamlico Sound, into the Outer Banks. And so, uh, so again, you know, this is certainly, you know, we'll we'll need to see um, how the track evolves. We'll need to see how the intensity of this storm evolves. But uh, ultimately, uh, the surge potential and the potential for significant significant flooding uh, in places like downtown Charleston um, are the most critical uh, things to watch. And James, I think we are starting to see the 11 o'clock roll in right now.
0: OK, we'll give a second for that to uh, populate and then uh, give uh, Frank a moment to digest it all. And we'll go back over to Frank as soon as we've got that uh, ready for you. Uh, we don't have any uh, evacuations at this time in South Carolina, but in North Carolina, Ocracoke Island, 3000 people have evacuated their ferries will stop running at 830 Monday morning uh, because of the storm threat and the flooding there uh, in that portion of North Carolina, where they have issued a state of emergency, not only along the coast, but a little bit further inland along the I-95 corridor. Let's bring in Evan Fisher uh, who's keeping a close eye on the flooding uh, chances that we could see a little bit further inland along rivers, creeks, streams, and and Evan, even from what's falling from the sky.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we're really targeting uh, and looking at this area from Charleston up through the I-95 corridor, even uh, all the way up towards Raleigh. If you look at the WPC outlook, the excessive rainfall outlook for tomorrow, they've extended a moderate risk from Charleston all the way uh, up to the North Carolina, Virginia border. Um, and that is a risk level three out of four high being a high risk of being obviously the four out of four. Um, we're looking at moderate tomorrow, um, but this isn't just going to be a I 95 problem from a kind of a big picture standpoint. We're still going to see a slight risk extended across almost the entire Eastern portion of the Carolinas and even as far west as uh, the blue Ridge escarpment reaching into the blue Ridge mountains near and just to the east of, um, buncombe county mcdowell county and up towards boone uh so this this, this rainfall threat is, is nothing to be laughed at um, and, and it won't just be mondays we're going to start seeing that rainfall ramp up probably tomorrow midday uh across portions of coastal south carolina and that will slowly spread north uh, throughout the day monday and really into monday night uh, for portions of like wilmington and portions of north carolina but that rainfall will still be a threat on tuesday And you can see the Tuesday, WC Excessive Rainfall Outlook has that moderate risk still in effect for uh, portions of Raleigh up to the North Carolina-Virginia border. At this point, the storm will have moved off to the north and east. Um, So by midday Tuesday, we'll start to see that rain really winding down uh, for many people. And then it'll eventually exit to the north and into Virginia uh, by Tuesday evening. But, James, we are looking at some pretty substantial precipitation totals. Um, A little bit concerning. It's it's up more from what it looked like 24 hours ago when we did our last update. Last night, we were thinking widespread two to four inches perhaps from Charleston up through uh, that moderate risk area up towards Raleigh, but now we could be even looking at four to six inches of rain. Uh, The WPC is highlighting this area just to the south and west of Charleston, and potentially right over the Charleston Metro as the bullseye with up to six to seven inches of rain possible. Uh, As Jared had just said a minute ago, 67 inches of rain on top of a high tide um, or even a moderate uh, tide in, in Charleston uh, does a lot of urban street flooding and uh, creates it. So we're going to see flash flood warnings um, likely getting issued at some point tomorrow. So be paying close attention to uh, your phone wherever you get um, your you know weather radio wherever you get your warnings from. Uh, but this once again this the, the corridor of strongest or highest rainfall totals I should say will be that I 95 stretch. And I wouldn't be shocked to see some higher rainfall totals than what's being forecasted here, further east out towards the outer banks. Uh, the WPC is only highlighting one to three inches near Moorhead City and out towards the outer banks. Um, but if this storm takes a little bit more of an easterly track, we could easily see those totals creep up towards two to four inches. Uh, yeah, that's what we're looking at from the rainfall perspective, James.
0: Evan, thanks very much. We're giving viewers a look right now at current conditions across the area, thanks to our camera network, uh, powered largely by our friends at WeatherStem. Uh, we'll get a, a glance at what the storm is currently doing uh, from some of their cameras along the coast of Florida coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Evan mentioned the threat further inland. We'll get to Scotty Powell in the foothills of North Carolina in just a second. Let's uh, stay in Charleston where we bring in Shea Gibson. He is our expert on all things wind and coastal. So, uh, Shay, what is it uh, that this tropical Storm uh, has has raised your alarms and, and has caught your eye.
4: Well, I would say, uh, and I'll go ahead and share a screen myself. I would say one one thing that's uh, concerning right now is that it's starting to get convection wrapped around the northern and western side now, where it was drier before. It looks like the upper shear is leaning back from the southwest versus the west, and the storm's going to be heading north, so it may have a chance to uh, fire convection all the way around. So here you can see the eye uh, or a wall trying to develop around an eye. Uh, we may see this develop a little bit better tonight. It is over the Gulf Stream, so it does have a plenty of fuel at the surface. We just hope that the upper shear keeps the limiting factors in place. Uh, Taking a look at Datascope, and, and here's some of the uh, convection I was talking about here. Some of the buoys are catching tropical storm force winds. We see uh, Canaveral East buoy gusting up to 63 miles per hour. We also have Canaveral buoy here. That's um, The averages are hanging right around the upper 30s near 40 and then gusting up into the 50s. Along the coast of Florida, we're seeing a lot of 30s and some 40s gusts from time to time. So some of our stations in our really dense mesonet for Florida are picking up some good readings from this. We just haven't seen that expansion of wind really get away from the core But I think most of the winds are residing about 115 miles out to the north and to the east of the storm right now. But now as we see convection starting to wrap around, we may see that wind field expand into the coast a little bit more. Now, we'll be heading north, so Florida's effects will start to diminish as it goes a little bit more over the ocean in time. We go up the coast into Georgia. We see winds are already up to 17 miles an hour, gusting to 20. They're pretty consistent in the upper teens. This will continue to increase overnight and into tomorrow morning. Where those winds are expected to be near tropical storm force, at least for the a.m., if not maybe a little bit higher in gusts, right? So we're looking at maybe 40. Because the storm's gonna be pretty far away from the Georgia coast. We don't expect too many large effects along the western side. But as it nears the Charleston area, we see these winds pick up. Right now, very far away from the storm. We're seeing about anywhere from thirteen to fifteen miles an hour, gusting to the upper teens pretty consistently. We have one little surge today from an outflow boundary that popped in right between three near four o'clock. We had a guest up into the low 20s. So um, you know, just a little warning shot from you see, from the from the tropical storm all the way up to Charleston. Uh, for once today at least and uh, that's what we're going to be expecting and if we look at the PowerPoint from Charleston for the National Weather Service Charleston area we have uh, potential for winds in our vicinity for portions of the Charleston area through Berkeley County and coastal areas uh, potential for 58 to 73 miles an hour we do have potential for wind 39 to 57 further down south all the way past Savannah all the way down to Altamaha Sound where the Weather Service office ends uh, but these winds look like they could push inland all the way past Walterboro, maybe even halfway to Columbia. So could be seeing some of those gusts as those rain bands wrap into the coastline. Any westward jog of the system by even 30 to 40 miles can make these areas more prone to the higher wind speed. So, um, you know, once again, we're watching to see if the storm is going to continue to, to look more impressive and actually get the upgrade to hurricane at some point. Uh, that is possible. And they did mention that in their 8 p.m. Uh, update that there is a possibility we could see it. So is, if the storm grows and expands, uh, then we will see more of that. Now, as far as Eastern North Carolina, one one concern that I would, I would say is the winds will be increasing up there as well by tomorrow night. But it's over the Gulf Stream. If it develops a long feeder band up and down that Gulf Stream, then that can make conditions a lot worse for Eastern North Carolina. So we'll be watching for that as well. That's just a possibility at this point. We've seen it so many times before when you have a storm heading into northern northeastern South Carolina or just around Wilmington and it picks up a lot of moisture and really forces it up the coast. So that's it for me James for right now.
0: Thank you very much Shea. Shea mentioned some alternative scenarios and there are a little time left to uh, to see if any of those still have room to play but we do have some uh, the breaking update now uh, the 11 o'clock update from the National Hurricane Center in a few minutes early so let's uh, bring back in Frank who's had a chance to uh, digest that and look it over and Frank what are we looking at here at uh, the 11 o'clock
1: update? Well there aren't many any changes at this point, uh, James, uh, I'll uh, hope. My, hopefully the uh, screen ser- save screen sharing will work a little bit better here than it did a minute ago. And uh, hopefully everyone's seeing the uh, current forecast graphic the, from the 11 p.m. advisory from the National Hurricane not, Center. Not yet,
0: but give it one more swift kick as we get that All new right. data in. Well, i can I'll see it, punch it in the how. nose a couple yeah, of
1: there times there. There we go. All right. Uh, as you can see, uh, the uh, advisory intensity remains the same as before. Maximum sustained. Winds are 70 miles per hour. The movements to the north northwest at about 9 miles per hour, and uh, no changes in the intensity forecast either. Uh, the only thing that really has changed here is that the tropical storm warnings have been extended northward all the way to uh, Fenwick Island, uh, Delaware, and that also includes the sounds in uh, eastern North Carolina. Tropical storm warning also out for Chesapeake Bay and uh, Smith Point uh, southward, and that goes all the way down into Florida still. So, uh, okay with the uh, idea of just keeping this thing steady state Uh, the the shear is going to remain a concern really the only thing that's been holding it back to this point is the uh, shear which does seem to be relaxing a little bit as i said a few minutes ago the uh, outflow uh, looks a little bit better and the storm looks a little bit more symmetric now on satellite and uh, that appears to be the case on uh, weather radar as well looking at the uh, melbourne florida radar uh, the surface center is a little farther south than where it looks like the rotation is here uh, because it is still sheared but it does appear to be wrapping a little bit better now at least the mid-level center if it can pull that low-level center in then we uh, would have the potential to see some more intensification so uh, that's something we'll be keeping an eye on as uh, one possible alternate scenario and again with the hurricane watches out uh, still for uh, the area between south santee river and surf city north carolina uh, again if this gets any stronger then the potential would be there well it would become a hurricane any stronger at all so uh, we will have to watch out for this thing potentially becoming a hurricane as it uh, heads northward and again the only thing holding it back is the wind shear the waters are plenty warm enough to uh, support much more intensity than what we're seeing right now and there's uh, and the storm's mostly over land as w- or over water rather as well so uh, there's no significant land interaction to worry about as well the other thing we'll have to watch out for you notice that it looks like the uh center is uh, at least the mid-level center shen- centers displace a little bit to the east you saw that on the radar picture that'll be one thing we have to watch out for as well if that mid-level center ends up uh, pulling uh becoming dominant and pulling the low level center in that could result in a slight eastward uh, shift in the forecast track and Perhaps it would end up going uh, maybe instead of Landfall Point being close to Myrtle Beach, maybe it would be closer to uh, Oak Island or Ocean Isle Beach or or perhaps even Wilmington if there was an eastward shift. So that will have to keep an eye on as well. And uh, all of that would have some minor implications as well to uh, other things going on, like, for example, the rain going on over western North Carolina. That could shift eastward slightly as well, perhaps into the foothills and the potential for heavy rain out there with the stationary front that has to wait on uh, Isaias to get out of the way uh, before it can uh, shift on eastward and out of those folks here as well. That's it for that, James. uh, Back to you again.
0: Thank you. Uh, Frank, uh, hang on the line there for a second because I have a question for you. And what I want to ask about is a little bit about the categorization between tropical storm and hurricane. And I want to preface it for our audience. Don't get too, you know, worried about the the categorization because if you think about Hurricane Sandy, that wasn't even a hurricane by definition. So these definitions are really just – a scientist's playground for categorization, but with that in mind, Frank, for the benefit of our audience, how many more miles an hour does it need to become a hurricane again?
1: well the hurricane threshold 74 miles per hour and, and the hurricane center uh their advisories uh, they, they go with multiples of five miles per hour so if it were to get any stronger at all basically it, it would be a hurricane so uh we're basically on the threshold now we're only slightly below it and any intensification would result in becoming a hurricane
0: yeah and even if we don't get there the other side of that coin is just that we're one or two or four miles away and that's not anything right. anyone's going to be able to discern by sticking their finger outside. So, consider it a strong tropical storm or a Category One hurricane. And uh, but for the record books, uh, we'll keep a close eye on that because, as Frank mentioned, it's still over the water, so it has a chance that uh, it could it, it could kind of uh, uh, accomplish that. Uh, Frank, the other question uh, for you, especially if this takes a little bit more westerly of a track inside that forecast cone, is we need to be thinking about tornadoes as well.
1: Absolutely. That's going to be a concern for any areas along and east of the center track is the uh, potential for some isolated tornadoes. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, happens fairly commonly. Uh, thankfully, there's not a whole lot of area that's going to end up being east of the track, and hopefully the uh, slight eastward shift does happen. That would minimize that even further, but uh, that is something we'll have to watch out for, and, and something to keep in mind is you're dealing with uh So over the next couple of days especially uh, during the worst of the storm is to uh, uh, keep your weather radio or your television set or uh, radio tuned to a station that uh, gives you those uh, instant updates and quick updates in the event that uh, tornado warnings issued for your area
0: yeah especially since uh, folks we're talking about a landfall here some point late tomorrow night monday night into early Tuesday morning. So you could very well be asleep and you're going to need something to wake you up And that weather radio is one of the greatest components we have. If you're joining us tonight and you're not living along the uh, the coast of the Carolinas or the I 95 corridor, if you're further inland like me here in Charlotte, or even into uh, upstate South Carolina, western North Carolina foothills and mountains. We've got some weather we need to watch for you too. let's bring in Scotty Powell. He's in Morganton, North Carolina. Scotty, what are you watching here in the next 24 to 48 hours?
5: Yeah, thank you, James. Uh, Definitely not the the worst case that we're going to see down at the coastline. But we're going to have some rain indirectly effects from ECEs as well as a a cold front moving in that that Frank alluded to just a little bit ago that's located out over Tennessee. Let me go ahead and share the screen here, kind of give you an idea of what I'm going to be watching for. And uh, this is going to be. if i can find it here on all my screens uh, this is going to be well i can't find it but it's going to be uh the hrr run that's kind of showing some easterly flow southeasterly flow that's going to be uh, moving in off of the coast of south carolina of south carolina north carolina and it's going to interact with this cold front and we see this a lot here in the western Carolinas, what we call upslope flow And in fact, uh, Evan uh, produced an image there just a little bit ago that she saw uh, much Western North Carolina under a flash flood watch as well as a slight risk uh, for excessive rainfall. We can see anywhere between one to three inches of rain, possibly some locations in those favorable areas, upslope areas of seeing four inches of rain. It's been a pretty wet spring and summertime. So it's not going to take a lot of rain to produce some flash flooding, even well off of the coast here in the uh, foothills of North Carolina and the mountains of North Carolina. In fact, uh, these storms are gonna be slow moving and they're gonna train over the same areas. And when they do that, uh, those areas are gonna see these tropical downpours and uh, that's gonna produce the isolated flooding. We won't see widespread flooding, I don't believe, but I do believe that there would be some pockets uh, that we see some flash flooding. In fact, over the last couple of afternoons, afternoon thunderstorms, we've seen pockets of flash flood warnings issued. So that's what western North Carolina is going to be facing. Uh, not directly affected by the tropical storm, but it's aiding in the fact that we're going to see some heavy rain even this far inland uh, off of the coast here in western North Carolina, as well as that cold front that moves through. Um, the area on Monday night through Tuesday. So that's what we're watching here in the foothills. Uh, We also could see some breezy conditions. And as always, with those breezy conditions and some heavy rainfall, we could see some sporadic power outages, trees come down, uh, things like that. But it's not going to be as bad here in the western part of the state as it's going to be for our friends uh, and followers out on the coastal areas of North and South Carolina. So, uh, Jared, I know you guys facing a whole different scenario there in the Charleston area.
2: Yeah, to put it mildly, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, again, you know, the, these track shifts are going to do some, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it's the biggest conundrum in, in communicating these things. I tell people not to focus on the center because the storms are large and a lot of effects can be felt well, well away from the center. But also at the same time, the center of the storm is actually really critical to where, to just how much of a magnitude of impacts you're going to have. And again, you know, you know, as Frank discussed earlier, you know, it's, it's a lot is going to be around structure, a lot is going to be if it's a lopsided storm, you know, a lot of that staying off into the ocean, you know, that shear kicks back up, then we have, you know, then, then perhaps not as bad, um, at least for the Charleston area. Um, Taking a look at the uh, track, again, and I've got it, I've got it zoomed in pretty nicely on Google Earth here, let me, uh, I'm going to take over and uh, real quick and let's see here so we got the yeah so there's your satellite image and again you know if if this thing does pull a little more east a stronger storm would do so Um, you know it's it's certainly possible that you know effects would be lessened in the Charleston area but you know we still have to think about the surge impacts you know Grand Strand getting up into the Wilmington area you know um, still some you know I mean, we need to watch those areas closely for the potential for storm surge as well and storm surge impacts. But, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, just how close the center gets to Charleston. I know in the last couple, you know, the last couple runners that we've had, too, the coastal runners, you know, we've seen this, we've seen these storms get pulled in um, a little prematurely. Uh, most notably, Matthew, which was not even expected to make landfall in the Low Country, actually came ashore near McClellanville. So, We'll see what happens. Um, it's it's, it's going to be you know it, it's going to be quite interesting to see you know all of these little variables working together.
0: Jackson watching on YouTube tonight has a question about Florence, uh, South Carolina. We'll come back to the USGS uh, camera. and I thought Florence was a perfect example, guys, of some of the inland areas that could still be seeing uh, some of these tropical storm force conditions, because Florence, South Carolina tonight with a tropical storm warning ahead of the arrival of the storm, again, another 24 to 30 hours from now. And the thing we want to also mention a lot when we talk about that Florence area is, especially if you're living along uh, the river, uh, you know, you're going to need to Watch for some of that other uh, rising water because we are going to have uh, five, six, seven, eight inches of rain falling. Uh, from what is otherwise a relatively quick-moving storm. But even after all that water falls, it's then got to flow down the watershed. Uh, so, uh, you you know, it's going to take time, even after the storm moves out, uh, for all of that to, uh, to clear up. So, uh, Jackson, I would say, you know, take appropriate uh, tropical storm precautions uh, tonight and expect t- uh, that tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, uh, you're going to be dealing with a tropical storm. Uh, what are...
5: Yeah, go ahead. I I wanted to add a little bit to that. Something we've not really covered uh, is the motion of this storm. Normally when we see tropical systems moving, they kind of slow down. This one's going to be pretty fast moving. So it's not going to have a lot of time to to kind of cycle down. So I think we're going to see a wind threat well inland along that Interstate 95 corridor, including the Florence area there. I'm not going to say we're going to see, you know, hurricane wind gusts, but we could see some 40, 50 mile per hour gusts that also, Uh, could cause some trees down. So I think that tropical storm warning is well uh, put up in that area just because of this storm's fast pace, the motion, it's not going to have a lot of time to cycle down. And I think we're going to see some more wind reports uh, inland as as we are along the coast
1: yeah i agree with that scotty and uh, that's actually an important thing to uh, consider uh, looking back at the uh, hurricane center's advisory graphic notice they keep this thing a tropical storm not just all the way through north carolina but all the way up to new york city all the way up through uh all the way through new england for that matter uh, For two reasons we expect it to move pretty quickly so it won't have as much time to spin down as it's moving over land through the carolinas But also as it interacts with the uh, upper trough that's approaching from the west, that will uh, help to uh, maintain that intensity by uh, keeping the outflow going, even all the way up through uh, the northeastern part of the country. So uh, these winds are are going to be an issue uh, all the way uh, through uh, its track along the east coast.
0: Uh, uh, Sharmar uh, Davis on uh, YouTube, Uh, what about the tornado threat uh, with the storm? And we just uh, answered back there in the chat as well, too. But, you know, they were asking about that front right quadrant, and I think that's exactly right. If we were to see tornadoes uh, with this system, you are most likely— although not exclusively, uh, to see them in the front right quadrant. And all of that uh, will be a factor of the, the motion as well, too. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. And I'm glad, Frank, that you mentioned uh, the Mid-Atlantic, uh, the New York tri-state area, even up into New England. And we know we have folks watching on, uh, on Peter's page tonight, of Weather there in, uh, in New Jersey. So uh, they're going to have to keep a close eye on that. Uh, we have the uh, Storm Prediction Center Outlook up here. Frank, is that your screen? Uh, you want to walk us through uh, the SPC Outlook for Monday?
1: Uh, yes, I, I just brought that up here, and uh, for Monday, the uh, SPC has a slight risk out for uh, the PD region of uh, South Carolina, parts of the Low Country, and uh, into parts of eastern North Carolina as well, uh, thanks to this uh, tornado risk that uh, will be spreading over the area as uh, East IES approaches. Uh, so that's, uh, again, something we have to watch out for. Notice the uh, surrounding marginal risk area. Uh, that does extend uh, farther uh, north, and it's, there's a separate area covering that uh, front-becoming stationary over the western Carolinas as well. I don't think there's much of a tornado risk in that area, but just locally damaging winds would be a concern uh, that far to the west.
0: Uh, thanks, Frank. Uh, earlier today, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper standing alongside other officials, including his director of emergency management in the state, Mike Sprayberry, held a news conference to talk about preparations in their state. We've already mentioned the 3,000 evacuations from uh, Ocracoke and the fact that uh, Eastern North Carolina and the Outer Banks under a state of emergency with federal assistance uh, ahead of the storm. The uh, officials talked about how FEMA is providing support both on location and remotely due to coronavirus. And I want to play you a little bit of the sound uh, that those uh, officials held earlier today as they're talking about dealing with a hurricane during the coronavirus
6: crisis. The COVID-19 pandemic remains a threat and preparations may take longer and look a little different. We can stay safe from
7: the storm and the virus if we're ready. If told to evacuate by your local officials, evacuate as directed. Don't let concerns about COVID-19 prevent your prompt evacuation. Evacuate the shortest distance possible. Get out of the impacted area. Due to the pandemic, try to stay with family, friends, or at a hotel of your choice to minimize contact with others. If these options aren't available, go to a shelter. Remember, if told to evacuate, don't hesitate.
0: And they will be screening uh, for coronavirus uh, at public shelters if you do find yourself attending one of those. And uh, they will be practicing social distancing and isolation for anyone uh, who may be uh, sick at this time. Uh, Last week, uh, here in the Carolina Weather Group, we had former FEMA FEMA administrator. I I don't know why I said the name of the storm right, but I couldn't get that out of my mouth. Former... FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate on the show. Uh, he uh, oversaw the response to uh, lots of storms uh, during the President Obama administration, as well as uh, his previous time with Governor Jeb Bush in the state of Florida. And he had some really straight words for what evacuations really mean.
6: Is If you choose not to evacuate in an evacuation zone, you risk drowning. I don't think we say that enough. I think we talk about evacuations as it's a precautionary measure instead of folks, the reason we have all of this planning around evacuation zones for hurricanes is the consequence if you don't evacuate and the storm hits as forecasted, you could drown. That is an absolute risk. Uh, So we need to have people balance between the immediate risk of storm surge and and what we're now seeing is a chronic risk in our communities of COVID how to minimize the risk of covid but not encourage people or give more reasons to question to whether they're going to evacuate
0: yeah absolutely and so that means that this year's storm preparations and your go bag should also include ppe including a mask or uh, cleaning supplies. Let's talk a little bit more about that uh, storm surge threat before we wrap up for the evening, uh, because I think this could be one of the big headlines, along with the winds, the the power outages that we anticipate the storm surge along the coast, Shay Gibson, uh, is something that uh, we are watching very closely with this uh, storm that's going to be flirting with most of the coast.
4: Yes, James, uh, thanks. Uh, make sure I'm not muted here, because I'm sharing the screen. Yeah, got you. go ahead. Um, good, good deal, thank you. Uh, so yeah, storm surge, we, we talk about what, what developed storm surge, and you have to look at what the, the normal tide is going to be doing. We also have a full moon this weekend, right? So um, we have a full moon tonight, today, and going in through tomorrow, it's just going to be a full moon tide, plus the normal, the normal tide, which is going to be higher than normal. It already overperformed tonight by 0.3 feet, which Jared shared with that earlier. And so what we have is, you know, more or less, we have a higher than normal tide already, plus we have the storm surge itself at two to four feet. You're talking, you know, we're talking eight feet is what the Weather Service is saying right now. But we have to add that two to four feet to the normal tide that's going to be occurring at the time. Now, we also do have driving onshore winds in excess and the tropical storm force levels pushing that water into the coast. And so someone asked today, why why would there be a surge if it's going to go to our east? And the, the answer is the storm is actually pushing water out ahead of it as it's going from south to north. So we have a large body of water that's gonna be coming to our area. It's already starting tonight. It'll be more tomorrow Our low tide tomorrow. Looks like it's gonna be over two feet, which that's very abnormal. So we're already seeing some effects of this surge already making it here. And it's just gonna come up even more. Now, like Jared said earlier, the four feet might be a little bit on the higher end, but we do expect at least two feet. Um, The Weather Service does have three feet listed or greater than three feet, but we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. So right here again, this graph, showing eight feet, which puts it into the major flooding. And if you add heavy rains in four to six inches or more for the Charleston area, we know that places like downtown can be heavily affected by this this combination all at one time. And you're talking four to six inches or higher within a very small amount of time. So that, that coupled with the surge is what makes the flooding potential so particularly dangerous with this system here as it comes close, maybe a glancing blow or staying offshore and heading up to the north. But either way, we will see surge effects from it. And then the winds definitely won't help things either. Back to
0: you, James. Thanks, Shay. We'll be watching that uh, very closely. So if you do live along the coast, uh, be prepared to monitor the uh, changing not only weather conditions, but also the flood conditions, the storm surge conditions as uh, we go through, again, the next 24 to 36 hours. And if you live further inland, again, I'm near along those waterways, uh, we're going to be watching for some of those to swell too, in a little bit of the longer term as the water will have to work its way on out. Uh, here at the Carolina Weather Group, we will be back tomorrow night with more live coverage as we will be anticipating landfall of this storm. Uh, we also want to let you know right now that in addition to finding us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Periscope. We do have a podcast audio feed. Why is that important? Well, we like to stress that during times like this when we anticipate uh, a high number of power outages, because you will be able to listen to our updates and also the updates from emergency management uh, on that audio podcast feed with a little to uh, battery consumption or even little data consumption if you're on a weakened cellular network. So that's our promise to you that uh, over the course of this event, if a governor Roy Cooper or Governor Henry McMaster hold a news conference, uh, we will be able to turn that sound around for you and uh, provide it on the Carolina Weather Group audio podcast feed that you can find at Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever it is uh, you get your uh, your. Podcasts uh, for your phone or your other devices. So, uh, uh, Shay Gibson, I see uh, as I pop your face back up here on the screen because we have a double box from Zoom looking at the 11 o'clock update here of uh, the storm from the National Hurricane Center. Right now, officially not to become a hurricane again, but it is just going to be within a hair of possibly doing that. But uh, one way or the other, whether it does it or not, folks, uh, you know. Should we just say consider it a a cat one hurricane that is going to be coming where we do have some hurricane watches along the coast as well any closing thoughts from our our panel tonight uh, here uh, as we close up the sunday night update uh gentlemen
1: just to say that if you've been asked to evacuate it's probably the thing to do and if you live in a low-lying area right along the coast uh, particularly in the the most flood vulnerable areas like uh, like charleston uh, which also has to deal with tidal effects, too. Uh, may want to be, may want to consider uh, following those evacuation orders and getting to a safe place.
0: Yeah, as we close tonight, I'll hold up my uh, my weather radio. There are portable ones. Make sure you've got some batteries in it. Uh, you don't want it to uh, to lose reception in the middle of the night if you happen to have a power outage. So this way, you can be updated directly from the National uh, Weather Service, whether they issue tornado warnings or flash flood warnings. Uh, you can get those uh, right to you wherever you are, even if you are asleep. It will beep and wake you up. Uh, so on behalf of everyone here at Carolina Weather Group, I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. Thanks for joining us and trusting us to realize uh, Relay this important information to you. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here real soon for more coverage from the Carolina Weather Group. that does it for the Sunday night special from the Carolina Weather Group. You can find live coverage on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Periscope feeds, and we'll have updates right here on the audio podcast feed as news warrants. Now stay tuned. Here's the full audio from Sunday's briefing with North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and other state officials.
6: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on an update of Tropical Storm Isaisis. Just because it's now categorized as a tropical storm doesn't change its potential threat. The storm continued its march toward North Carolina overnight. State emergency managers here, along with our local partners, are preparing for the heavy winds and rain that this storm may bring. And we're asking North Carolinians in the storm's path to make sure they are prepared. I've declared a state of emergency, and we have received a federal emergency declaration for 25 counties so far. We in North Carolina North Carolina mostly know what to do. You pack your emergency kit, follow local evacuation orders, stay in a safe place, and never drive through flooded roadways. But this time, pack your masks and hand sanitizer in your kit and remember to social distance. The three W's wash, wear, and wait are just as important during a storm as they ever were. The COVID-19 pandemic remains a threat and preparations may take longer and look a little different. We can stay safe from the storm and the virus if we're ready. We're watching the forecast carefully and know the storm will impact much of our Piedmont and coastal Plain. Tropical storm force winds are expected to begin after dark Monday and into Tuesday morning. Sustained tropical storm force winds are forecast for much of the eastern third of the state with gusts of 50 to 65 miles per hour for the coastal plain and 30 to 45 miles per hour in central North Carolina. That's enough wind to bring down trees and power lines. Over the weekend, the storm turned much more inland, which increases the threat of heavy rain, tornadoes, and flash flooding in eastern North Carolina. Right now, we expect the heaviest rain along the I-95 corridor, with as much as 7 inches in some places. You can go to ReadyNC.org to find flood maps and evacuation zones, and see if your home is at risk for flooding. Remember, when it comes to evacuations, know your zone. The forecast has the storm moving quickly, which we hope means the rain and wind won't last as long. But a lot of rain is expected to fall at once, so be on alert for flash flooding and river flooding, especially along the New Centaur Rivers. We're coordinating with utility companies which expect widespread out- outages. I've activated up to 150 National Guard soldiers to help with storm preparations and response as needed. We've been so grateful for their work overseas and during the pandemic here at home. We also appreciate our first responders who are going the extra mile yet again to protect our communities. It's essential to listen to local officials and follow evacuation orders when they're issued. During the pandemic, your home has been the safest place. But that may change as Isaisa arrives. The storm, the, the most important thing is to get out of harm's way if you are told to evacuate. Try to have a plan to stay with friends or family outside of the dangerous zone. If that doesn't work, or a hotel a hotel or a motel is the next option if you can afford it. Shelters will be available for those who need them. Visit your county government website for instructions on sheltering options. Shelters will be screening people for coronavirus symptoms. If someone has symptoms, they'll be directed to a sheltering option where they can more easily isolate or receive medical attention. We know the pandemic has dominated everyone's attention these last few months, but North Carolina emergency managers have been carefully planning for the storm response in a COVID-19 environment. Our state has weathered more than our fair share of storms in recent years. We know how to plan, prepare and respond when it's over. Nothing about that has changed, but this time we're going to have to do it with a mask on. Helping your neighbors and loved ones is even more important as this storm approaches. Do it safely, and we'll get through this thing together. I'd like to recognize Mike Sprayberry, our Director of Emergency Management, to provide an update. Mike?
7: Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Good afternoon. Today is day 146 of the COVID-19 response at the State Emergency Operations Center. We have also been activated for Tropical Storm Isaisas since Friday. We are continuing to closely monitor the storm track and intensity and possible impacts to North Carolina. While the storm is changing in intensity, now is not the time to be complacent, especially as we may experience storm impacts overnight on Monday. As the storm tracks closer to the state, please heed warnings and directions from local and state authorities. An incident management assistance team from FEMA has now joined us here at the state EOC. Some members are here inside the state EOC, and others are working remotely. Everybody in the state EOC is physically distanced. That's the case with many of our state emergency response team partners. Approximately 120 National Guard personnel are already staging at armories in the east ready to respond if needed. We have repositioned several water rescue teams, consisting of approximately 20 Zodiac boats and 100 swiftwater Rescue technicians from the western part of the state to the east, where they are ready to support impacted communities. This is in addition to the local water rescue teams based in the east and central parts of the state. We're also coordinating closely with our counties as they make preparations and finalize decisions about evacuations, sheltering, and other preparations that will be needed. PPE is being provided to our responders to enable them to operate in the COVID-19 environment. Commodities like food, water, and tarps are also being delivered to our county partners. Your personal preparations for a disaster plan and an emergency kit should be completed by now. Be prepared for power outages and the possibility of flooding. In your emergency kit this year, be sure to include masks and face coverings, hand sanitizer and cleaning products to help keep your families healthy. Visit readync.org for a complete list of items to include your emergency kit. The ReadyNC mobile app has been retired but all of the same emergency preparedness resources are available on the mobile-friendly ReadyNC.org website. As I've stated before, and as the governor just talked about, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused some changes in our evacuations and sheltering operations. We ask you to review your evacuation plan and follow these steps. If told to evacuate by your local officials, evacuate as directed. Don't let concerns about COVID-19 prevent your prompt evacuation. Evacuate the shortest distance possible. Get out of the impacted area. Due to the pandemic, try to stay with family, friends, or at a hotel of your choice to minimize contact with others. If these options aren't available, go to a shelter. Remember, if told to evacuate, don't hesitate. If you live in a safe place inland, please do your part and offer to let family or friends evacuate to your home. Both non-congregate and congregate shelters will be made available for evacuees who require sheltering. Look to your county government website and social media channels for sheltering instructions for your county. Local governments and the American Red Cross are working to implement health screening, social distancing, and cleaning protocols in shelters to prevent the spread of the virus. And speaking of the American Red Cross, they need young people like college students who can step up and serve as disaster volunteers. Volunteers can help with shelter reception, feeding, dormitory management, liaisons at hotels, and other vital tasks. If you're over 18, willing and able to volunteer, visit redcross.org backslash volunteer today. That's RedCross.org backslash volunteer today to get started. It's the North Carolina way. The new Know Your Zone program is also in effect this year. 20 coastal counties have developed coastal evacuation zones based on areas most at risk due to storm surge and river flooding. Visit KnowYourZone.nc.gov to see if you live in one of these zones if you do, remember your zone and listen for it if evacuations are needed and ordered. Again, that's knowyourzone.nc.gov to determine if you are in a new coastal evacuation zone. Being aware and prepared is the key to staying safe during this event and throughout the rest of the hurricane season. Remember the three W's – wear, wait, and wash. With kindness and cooperation, we'll all get through to get this together as one team one mission, and one family. Thank you Governor.
6: Thank you Mike. Appreciate your leadership. I'd also like to recognize Colonel Glenn McNeil, the commander of the North Carolina State Highway Patrol.
8: Colonel McNeil. Thank you Governor. Good afternoon. The Highway Patrol stands together with our partner agencies In this joint response to the storm and is prepared to help within the potentially affected communities. As we have unfortunately seen in past storms, the effect of the storm can be experienced far away from the direct path in the way of flash flooding, high winds, and standing water. We've seen far too many times the loss of life from drivers entering flooded roadways. And we implore each of you to heed our public safety warnings. Turn around. Do not attempt to cross water-covered roadways. It's simply not worth your life. As with any storm, please be mindful of downed trees and power lines in our roadways and treat all intersections without power as a four-way stop. Stay well-informed of storm-related information at ReadyNC dot org, and roadway conditions at DriveNC.gov. Please keep our emergency phone lines open for emergencies. Thank you, Governor.
6: Thank you for your leadership, Colonel McNeil. And I will hand it over now to our Secretary of the Department of Transportation, Eric Boyette, to provide an update on their preparations. Secretary Boyette.
9: Thank you, governor. We began planning conferences calls on Thursday and will continue through this storm. All of our highway divisions are prepared and ready to respond. Our highway division has over 1800 personnel ready to respond. We have pre positioned equipment, materials and supplies. We currently have more than 1500 pieces of equipment, including trucks and heavy equipment. More than 1000 chainsaws and based on the current forecast, our staff is reviewing protocols for downed trees and localized floating. Divisions in our western part of our state are preparing for a separate storm that could bring significant rainfall to our mountain areas. For our ferry division, we are continuing to support evacuation of Ocracoke, and those efforts will continue until about 10.30 on Monday morning. We will be mooring our vessels after that last ferry run. We've evacuated over 1,500 vehicles, 3,000 people from Ocracoke as of noon today our evacuations as I said will continue until 10:30 a.m. Monday morning we have also waived all ferry tolls for evacuation routes for our ports Authority all of our hurricane preparations are continuing at both ports our port of Moorhead City is secure the cargo and container operations are winding down at the port of Wilmington and the work continues to fully secure the terminals including securing containers, equipment, and all of our warehouse operations. When conditions warrant, we will shut down operations and also open the port back open when it is safe to resume. Overall, I'm just so proud of all of our work, all of our aviation, our specialty teams, like our bridge maintenance and photogrammetry are prepared and ready to respond to this event. We have worked very hard in preparation with all of our teams, and our field teams are really working very hard to make sure we're ready and prepared. We take every weather event seriously, and we'll respond quickly and efficiently to restore mobility and ensure we keep our traveling public safe. Governor. And thank
6: you for your leadership, Secretary Boyette. Also with us today is Major General Todd Hunt, the Adjutant General of the North Carolina National Guard. And Cody Kensley, one of our Deputy Secretaries of the Department of Health and Human Services. Lee Williamson and Karen Magoon are our sign language interpreters. And behind the scenes, Jackie and Jasmine Mativier are our Spanish language interpreters. We'll now take questions from the media. And if you can identify yourself and your organization, we would appreciate it. We'll take our first question. Our first
3: question will be from Tim
2: with ABC11. Hello, Governor. Uh, this is Tim Pulliam, ABC11.
3: I'm curious, this is a two-part question, how much state money has been budgeted toward disaster relief and preparedness, and have you spoken to the President, or has he reached out to you regarding this approaching storm?
6: Uh, first, we have budgets uh, in our departments for these storms, and I'll let uh Um, Mr. Uh, Sprayberry, speak to that particular issue. Uh, I've not spoken personally with the president yet. Usually, if we have a storm, I will be in contact with him. We have FEMA representatives here at the Emergency Operations Center. They are uh, in place. We also have our Declaration of Emergency. So our coordination with the feds
7: is good. But, Mike, I'll let you answer the budget question. Thank you, Governor. and Thank you, sir, for your question. I'd just like to point out, as uh, the governor mentioned earlier, um, we did receive a FEMA emergency management declaration that was based upon a request that the governor made to the president. So that happened very quickly, I think just a little bit over a day and a half. So um we think that that was done very well secondly to your budget question uh, there is a state disaster relief fund it typically keeps uh, between 10 and 12 million dollars in it we draw off that as we begin to um, start operations uh, for response in a event like this and then once we get a disaster declaration We'll turn in what's known as project worksheets so that we can be reimbursed for all of our eligible response activities um, for the state. We can get that money back uh, from the federal government at a rate of uh, 75 percent for each dollar spent. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Next question, please.
0: Our
3: next question is from Lakewood with WASW. Yes, Governor Cooper, Lakewood here with WASW News. You mentioned earlier about screening at shelters, but as for individuals who know that they are positive, what should they do to seek appropriate
6: shelter? Sorry, what can you repeat your question, please?
3: As for individuals who know that they are positive ahead of seeking shelter, what type of process or steps should these individuals take?
6: Well, if you are a positive, you should isolate and you should seek Uh, make sure that you're are are apart from your family and seek a place that would keep you apart from others. Uh, we're going to have screening provided at all of our shelters. And if someone has symptoms, then that person will be put somewhere else where there will be alternative sheltering options where they can isolate. Obviously we do, we do not want positive COVID people in our congregate shelters, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing the spring the screening. Next question, please.
3: Our final question today will be from Virginia Bridges with the News and Observer. Thank you, Governor. Virginia Bridges from the News and Observer. What does the more western track mean for the state's preparations? Are we ready for a storm that goes up I- I-95 rather than up the coast?
6: I think that when we have a storm that moves more inland that we become more concerned about our low-lying areas, flash flooding and riverine flooding. We know that a lot of our communities along the I-95 corridor have had issues with that, uh, with hurricanes in the past so we do remain concerned about that one good thing is that we are drier than we normally would be and this storm is expected to move through rather quickly so we feel good about that part of it the thing is though if you have up to seven inches dumped on a place at one time then you remain concerned about those flash floods and riverine flooding and potential flooding that could occur a day or two from now if, if the rivers rise. So we're ready for this uh, both ways. We know the track can change even again as it approaches North Carolina, but we're just pretty sure at this point that both the central part of the state and the coastal plain are going to see uh, some, uh, they're going to see some rain and wind and power, power outages, so everybody needs to be careful about that. Thank you all for joining us today. We will likely update you again tomorrow. And stay safe, everybody.